0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles. I am not Kyle Madsen. I'm Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. Kyle is a big time radio host now doing post game from the 49ers preseason finale a 17 nothing loss to the houston texans but we're going to talk about it our favorite cast member nick wagner espn nfl nation beat writer covering the 49ers is going to join us let's get to it
2: Blue wire. hey this is george kittle and you're listening to candlestick chronicles Yard pass. Caught by Kittle. He dives. And he's in. Touchdown.
1: 49ers. Sometimes you watch preseason games and you think to yourself, man, the preseason might be the worst thing that we have to deal with in American sports. It's, At it's least that's there. my opinion.
2: It's <laughs> up there. I mean, in really any any preseason sports, like any exhibition sports that don't count, I'm I'm all the way out on. But uh I think preseason football is the worst. And you know what? I think the 49ers head coach is right there with us. Like, I think he might dislike it more. I, I've made this joke before, but he has said, and he means it, that he thinks teams should like just do joint practices. Forget preseason games and just do only joint practices. And I contend that if he were ever to, to make, make it happen that the preseason disappears, he should go directly into the Hall of Fame.
1: It would be one of the first things on his legacy. Yeah, like when, he'd when, never
2: when, win another game. But if he got that done, <laughs> Hall of Fame. Can't.
1: Yeah, and it, look, I mean, we have to talk about it. I, I think you and I both want to take a bigger picture view of what happened in the preseason and, and sort of, you know, spin it forward to what's going to happen in the regular season. But just, I mean, there's very little, in my opinion, to take from any preseason game. This one in particular, a 17-0 loss in which the offensive line just couldn't block anybody the defensive line early in the game was getting pushed around in the in the running game. Um I don't know. Is is there anything that stood out to you about this game other than the fact that now the preseason's finally over?
2: I can't believe that on that third down early in the game, Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> no, I don't I honestly like I I flushed it away as quickly as I watched it. But look, I think that what you saw in this game is kind of just confirmation of a lot of things that we already knew, I guess, you know, like it shouldn't be surprising that we have questions about the offensive line going into the season. Like that's the been the biggest thing we've all been banging that drum really since March, really since free agency started uh, that this is an area that's going to be a big question mark for them, especially after they lost Lake and Tomlinson. And so, uh, and Alex Mack retired, like we, we knew that right. Um, Trey Lance, same thing, like Trey Lance. Uh, and I know you want to get into that more in a little, in a minute, but like, we're going to have questions about him. He wasn't going to go out there and do things that you're like, okay. That's it. He, the 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 light has turned on, and even if he had a good game tonight and and lit it up, I wouldn't be saying that. Oh, he, you know, we know for sure what we're going to get out of him in the regular season. So, um, it's really just been kind of a continuation. And, um, I always say that when it comes to preseason games, like the things that you can watch and maybe um wrap your head around is blocking and tackling, right? Like the ba- the very very basics. Um, They didn't do a very good job of blocking, uh, particularly on the edges, but those weren't their starting tackles. Uh, I still think the interior of the line is going to be a question mark. And in tackling, it wasn't great. But again, you had, what, two, three defensive starters on the field. So, um, you know, you take that with a grain of salt and move on and, and let's get to the real deal.
1: Yeah, so I guess we can stick with with Trey Lance for now. So going back to the preseason opener in this game, 11 of 16 combined, 141 yards, a touchdown pass, a deep one to Danny Gray. Obviously, no touchdown passes tonight. 116.3 passer rating. Is is there any in your mind? you, You have been to more practices than I have this summer. I think you've been to all of them. Is there anything that you learned in, in the preseason from Trey Lance that you didn't see on the practice field? Were there any differences or any key takeaways for you?
2: I mean, I think the the thing with Lance that um, is, is a concern, and we already, again, this is another thing we already kind of knew, but the accuracy thing, I want to like be specific about that, though, not just say accuracy and then we're done, but like yeah. the idea that the accuracy on the short and intermediate stuff, because There are passes that he's completing. The numbers that you just rattled off—not bad, right? Eleven of sixteen. You hear that and think that's pretty good, but what was it? One hundred forty-one yards. Like, yeah, those are those are Garoppolo-esque numbers. And if you take away the long touchdown, which I realize you can't, they're really that's a very low yards per completion. uh, If you take away the long touchdown, so to me, I think it's not just oh, in his completion percentage as, as it relates to accuracy. It's is he giving his receivers opportunities to get yards after the catch because that is such a huge part of how this offense is built and you know there are a number of them even tonight's game where like man if that ball is the one he completed I think it was early to, to Trey Sermon where if it had been a little bit out in front of him I think there was more yards to gain there just things like that where you you know they, they talk about putting a pass in the shooter's pocket in basketball right like mm-hmm. he needs to be able to do that with his receivers and um, it's something that has kind of showed itself in camp um, and I thought, I thought tonight in particular it showed up a few times with some of those completions that you're talking about
1: yeah one thing I've I've said on this pod and and I want to ask you about is is that I think Kyle Shanahan's just going to create a lot of layups for Trey Lance like once the regular season starts and so much of what the offense does is going to be predicated on play sequencing and matchups and just not making things overly difficult on Trey Lance And, and obviously there's an element of it being the preseason and offenses being vanilla And, you know, not scheming guys open at the same level that he would during the regular season. How how much do you anticipate Kyle Shanahan to to sort of have a a training wheels offense um, to make things easy on Trey Lance in a way that probably looks different than what we watched uh, in the preseason games against the Packers and Texans?
2: Um, I think a lot, particularly in the passing game. I actually think it might be the opposite of a training wheels offense in the running game. Like I yeah, think there's yeah, gonna be fair. a lot of wrinkles and things um that are gonna look different. And and I, that's not to make it sound like it's gonna be a super difficult for, for Lance to grasp hold of, but just gonna be look very different to 49ers fans that are used to what they've seen uh with Jimmy Garoppolo. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I think in the in the passing game, certainly that's gonna be a big part of it. And that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, though, where you know, if Kyle Shanahan is scheming up, a, as you call it, a layup for Trey Lance, if he hits that layup, that's great. But you want it to be an and one, so to speak. You know, like you want it to be a situation where he's hitting the guy in a spot that he can get another 10, 15 yards or maybe even take it, take it further. And Kyle Shanahan, when he's planning those plays out, he's expecting to get that. He's expecting to get those yards out of those plays. Like he doesn't want to play that. Let's say it's a 18 yard dig route, which or 16 yard dig route, which is such a staple of the Shanahan offense. And he wants that dig to, you know, 16 at the catch point and it's eight more for 24. Well, if it's 16 at the catch point and he's tackled because the throw was behind him and he couldn't cut up field. Shanahan's not going to be happy with that. So, um, and that's just the way the offense is designed. So, I think those are the things that, that are really going to be worth watching with Trey Lance. And obviously uh, the throws that he misses, of course the high stuff, which I thought personally in camp, he was better at uh, than last year in particular, he wasn't missing high over the middle as much, which is the worst place to miss over the middle because those turn into interceptions a lot, uh, but still missing high outside the hashes and deep in particular, 15 to 20 yard outs uh, where he's missing high. So, Those are, those are just a few of the things that I think that you're going to have to um, just kind of come to grips with. Like, I I don't think they're going to go away right away. And it may not even happen this season. You know, like fixing accuracy is tough. Fixing accuracy in the season is probably impossible. Like you can get better at it the more you see it, but you know, Josh Allen didn't do that in season. Josh Allen will tell you that he fixed it, you know, when he was working in the off season uh, with Jordan Palmer and those guys. And so, um, I think that may just have to be what waits. But in the meantime, just be ready to swallow a 58, 59% completion rate, most likely, um, and hope that that's off. The Niners hope that that's offset by more big plays and what he can do with his legs.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Well, one name, obviously, that was a big a big discussion point during the broadcast with Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels, who I, who I think are good. Um, obviously, Al Michaels is a legend, and, and Herbstreet's been at the top of at the top of his field for a long time and um but you know they kept harping on the Jimmy Garoppolo thing and i think you and i both recognize that it's definitely awkward at this point um but the idea that they kept bringing up like well why not have Jimmy Garoppolo as an insurance policy i mean to me that that ship is sailed for a few different reasons i would imagine with everything the 49ers have done over the last year and a half Jimmy would be less than enthused to be like, yeah, well, like, let me, let me just stay here and be a backup now. Like, you know, G- I, I think in Jimmy Garoppolo's mind, he's like, no, I did everything. I was a model citizen. Uh, I got, I went to a playoff run. I played, I, I helped you guys to a playoff run. I played hurt. like, let me go and, and do my own thing. Now. I think there's an element to that. I think there's an element of the 49ers not wanting to pay Jimmy Garoppolo anything close to, you know, the $26 million or whatever the, the final numbers would end up being. Uh, to be on the roster like that ship has
2: sailed right (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I I think it has but like I say and I I've told you this before like I think in an ideal world it'd be great if you could bring Jimmy Garoppolo back as on a cheaper contract a much cheaper contract um, and and go from there and have him as your backup but there are so many things that have happened that have made that almost impossible. And I don't want to say it is impossible because what do I always say, Chris, never say never. Right. But like, <laughs> but, but, but I don't, I just don't know how you can get back to that place when he hasn't been in meetings. He hasn't participated in practice. Uh, I mean, theoretically, he knows the offense, so he can come back in and and, and get attached pretty quick to it. But I think they're. I think they're trying to avoid the situation where Trey Lance has to look over his shoulder. Where anytime Trey Lance makes a mistake, Jimmy Garoppolo, people start calling for Jimmy Garoppolo, and that doesn't mean that that would happen, but it is. It is. It is something that I think that they're cognizant of. And for Jimmy's standpoint, I think you could make the case that if he's not going to go somewhere and be the starter, um, and there's only maybe a couple places where he could, and at this point we're deep enough in it that I don't know if there's anywhere that he could. Um, if he's not going to be the starter, the place that he would be best as a backup is here because he knows the offense, because he's had success here. And if he's trying to rehabilitate his value, this would be the place to do it. If Trey Lance were to get hurt, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Right? Like, I think that's a yeah. a, a fair thing to operate off of. The problem is, is how do you pay him? Because if he's already got a foot out the door, I, I think if I'm Jimmy, I'd say, okay, I'll stay and I'll be a good soldier again. But you're giving me all of that money, that like twenty-seven million against the cat. And I don't I don't believe the Niners are gonna do that. Um and I also just think Jimmy doesn't Jimmy doesn't wanna take that step. So yeah, at the end of the day, I, I think that they hoped and Jimmy's camp hoped that the Browns thing would work out and he would end up there. And he still may. He still may end up there. Uh, it just probably isn't going to be via trade. And, uh, you know, I think Seattle obviously is kind of the other obvious possible landing spot at this point, but um, yeah, I just, I just don't know how you can make a, how you can extend the marriage, so to speak, given all that's happened or, or in the case of Jimmy not happened uh, in terms of practice and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I, I think there might be a minute chance of it happening. If Garoppolo had practiced and taken a single rep and was in meetings like the last month and a half, like I, you know, but now it, it, to me, it's like, I, you know, I don't want to say I'm like, an, I don't want to be like broadcast critic guy, but it was just like when they kept harping on the Garoppolo situation it was like, guys, like we, this is over with <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's, I mean, let's move I, on. I,
2: I, as, as two people who just kicked off this show complaining about trying to talk about this preseason game, i kind of not mad at them. It's like, that's what are you, fair. What, what are you fair, supposed fair. to talk about? But um, yeah, I, I don't know. So.
1: Okay, so the offensive line, and obviously Trent Williams didn't play. Mike McGlinchey didn't play. Kyle Shanahan sounds sort of optimistic that McGlinchey will be ready for week one. Uh, I think I'm a little dubious about how productive McGlinchey would be week one, given that you know it's the same leg that he suffered the injury to last year. Um, he obviously hasn't been practicing recently, right? I, d- I don't think he's been practicing. So it would be, I don't know. I mean, the, at least it's the Bears, right? The Bears don't have Khalil Mack anymore. So it's not like you really have to worry about something like that. But just in terms of the offensive line, just not a good performance tonight. And, you know, I, I thought Jake Brendel allowed a lot of penetration at center. Um, there were a lot of penalties all over the place. So that I did see an Aaron Banks pancake on a third and short run that Trey Sermon converted. Um, but the tackles seemed to me like they were the biggest issue. Obviously, those guys aren't starters, and we don't know for sure if any of those guys outside of Colton McKivitz are going to make the team, even Jalen Moore, like, Man, I I don't know if Jalen Moore just hasn't gotten any reps to tackle, but that was kind of alarming at just how much of a turnstile he was in that game. And I would imagine if he does make the roster, I think Jalen Moore will make the roster, but it would probably be more as sort of a utility, a utility backup, somebody who can play a little bit of everything. But I mean, how concerned should the 49ers be about their offensive line right now? Or are we reading too much into a preseason game?
2: No, I think they should be very concerned. Um, you know, I think that getting Trent Williams obviously solves that huge, which to me was the most glaring issue that you just alluded to. Jalen Moore left tackle really struggled, and let's be fair to Jalen Moore here. Like this guy was drafted to be a guard, and the Niners have insisted all along they wanted to be a guard, and because of injuries to other people, Justin School and then McGlinchey and um, those things, he hasn't had a chance to do that. So he hasn't even got a chance to play the position they want him to play and he's kind of been bouncing around and he had his own injury during this camp so um, I think that it's important to keep that context when you talk about what you saw from him tonight that this guy just hasn't played a lot of football and hasn't played a lot of tackle um, in, in this camp especially but I do think that you have to be concerned about all three of the interior spots. I think Spencer Burford's probably going to be fine, but he's also going to have some bumps along the way. Um, I think he had a couple penalties tonight, if I if I if I remember correctly, that you want him to clean up. Uh at center, I'm with you. I, I don't I don't I think Brendel's clearly better than Brunskill at center, but not a high bar to clear. And I think that they um they have to be a little bit concerned there also. And then left guard is is the most bewildering because you know, Aaron Banks was a second round pick and he didn't play as a rookie. And we were told that it's fine. He'll be okay. But usually if you're a guard and you get drafted in the second round, you start in year one, he didn't do that and didn't look particularly close and hasn't had the greatest camp. There's been some good moments, but when I watch him pass protect and in, in those one-on-one drills that I like to watch the pass rush drills, he just doesn't have for a guy, his size, his anchor is not as good as you would want it to be. And um, I think that's a problem. So uh you know I think there's other possibilities that they could plug in there you know they still have Brunskill when he gets back healthy that he could he could plug in and I think you'd prefer him at one of the guard spots or heck maybe even your backup tackle based on what we've seen he might be your your third best tackle um what we've seen in games in the past and then him at the other spots but um yeah it's a huge question mark it already was I still think it is I still think it's the one thing other than injuries of course cuz injuries we can't predict but other than injuries, it is the single biggest question mark facing this team. And the one thing that I think could hold them back from going, you know, very, very deep into the postseason.
1: Yeah. And it, sort of the last few days, there was a lot of talk and discussion, including on this podcast about Jason Poe and the fact that he got first string reps earlier this week at practice. And the feeling that I got from it was that, you know, what, what Poe does is play with a lot of urgency, play with a lot of intensity. And it might have been to send a message to maybe some of the other guys, like, no, you need to play with this level of urgency to secure this starting job. Um, and it felt like Banks's starting job was a little precarious this week going into this game. And you know there were questions like, would we see Poe with the starters? Well, we didn't. I think Banks played the entire first half at left guard. Him and Burford both. Um, I mean, are, do, do you think there is any serious question about Banks a, in terms of security regarding the starting job? Like, I, I feel like it's his. I was curious to see if Kyle Shanahan would play Poe with the starters. But then even in the second half when Poe was playing, it didn't look particularly great either. Like, no. well, where, where are you at with Poe and, and that whole situation?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't get the impression that and I didn't even with poe doing whatever in practice like i i don't i don't get the impression that the job is in jeopardy but i don't think it's a um i'll put it to you this way i think it's a calculated move to try to light a fire under banks like hey man like we're not just going to hand this to you because we drafted you in the second round and lakin and tomlinson left like this isn't just a you know a line of succession be, you know where where you're related to the king and you're next in line and you, you know you got to go out and earn this thing and so um i think that was a big part of it but yeah, I mean, long term, I'm not going to sit here and say Banks is going to start all season. Um, but he's going to have to earn it. You know, uh, I do think he's going to start out the season there, and he's gotten a ton of reps in camp. And there, again, it hasn't been all bad from him. I think in the run game, he looks like he's moving better, and and I think he moves some people around. Uh, it's just in pass protection. But honestly, watching Poe, if you're if you're trying to evaluate those two against each other, Poe has some issues in pass protection as well, and um. You know he's he's very powerful and he moves very well and I think he could be a, a fun toy to play with in the run game and some of the pulling and things that they can do but um, I'm not I'm not convinced that he's he's ready for that kind of a leap into a starting role from from Mercer University either so uh, yeah I just I don't think they are flush with great options it, it, when it really comes down to it and um, you know somebody's going to have to step forward and maybe it's one of those things that. You plop Trent Williams next to him, and it makes everybody better, and it will. It will make them whoever's playing left guard better. But it's still, it's still a huge area of concern if you're the 49ers because it, so much of your young quarterback is tied into what you have on that offensive line.
1: You have Poe making the team, right?
2: I do. Yeah. I okay. Do. Yeah. yeah. So you do you have? I think nine... They're going nine. Yeah, I think they're going to go nine.
1: Okay, you think they're going nine? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I could see them doing that. I I'm looking at my 53 man spreadsheet right now. That's a bracket a spreadsheet, but um, yeah, I would probably make that adjustment. I have eight offensive linemen right now, and I would probably add Poe and and maybe take one of the eleven defensive linemen I have making the team currently. Yeah,
2: but I, I only I only kept ten defensive linemen, and and I think you know I could you could make the case for them to keep eleven. Certainly, um, I've gone back and forth. You know, there's a group, there's a trio of well, maybe four guys, but. Uh, you know, Hassan Ridgway, Kerry Heider Jr., Komoko Ture, and Jordan Willis, I think for two or three spots, probably three spots between those four guys, yeah. um, I think it's tough. And, and you know, Ridgway is a guy who was hurt early in camp, and I think they hoped that he would be kind of the backup run stuffer, so to speak, you know, your backup nose tackle, but... I don't know. He, he's kind of just looked at eh, when he's played. And, and, you know, Zach Kerr is a guy they had a year ago who was kind of similar to that. Carrie um, Heider pl- has some versatility inside now. Didn't have a great camp, but, we know Chris Kosurik loves him and trusts him, so I don't know how that goes. terre got an awful lot of snaps in the fourth quarter, but played well. He was, you know, especially against the run, he was really good uh, if you were paying attention at the end of that fourth yeah. quarter season game, which God bless you if you were. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, There's some tough calls there. I think running back is going to be a tough one to to, to figure out, and it's uh, particularly running back and, and defensive line. But I think nine offensive linemen – Uh, especially just given McGlinchey's uncertainty. I think that's probably the way you go and Brunskill for that matter. He's not back yet either.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
1: Uh, One thing we haven't hit on, which was news before the game even started, was Jimmy Ward um, and John Lynch going on the Amazon Prime uh, the pregame set and saying that Ward's probably going to go on short-term IR and have to miss the first four games of the season, which was news because Kyle Shanahan had said previously he didn't think Ward would play for week one, um, and it sort of was open-ended after that. But you know, obviously it's problematic. Like I, I think 49ers fans have, have come to learn over these last couple these last three or four years how good of a player Jimmy Ward is and how valuable he is to that secondary, particularly the way they play. Um, which direction do you think they go? Because I know George Odom, a guy they brought in to play special teams, has gotten a majority of the starters' reps. Dante Johnson has been dealing with a rib cartilage injury. I think you and I agree that Johnson would probably be most likely to be the week one starter if healthy. Um, but how big of a loss is Jimmy Ward in your estimation, and and how do you think they go about replacing him?
2: A huge loss because I had a big story on Jimmy Ward coming, and then he got hurt. Um, but it, it didn't run, so you can't blame me for jinxing him. But it will run eventually, I promise. Okay. Um, I think people will like that, so I'll cheat plug for myself. But, uh, no, I mean, Jimmy Ward is – the guy that holds he you know for lack of a better term and using a cliche, he's like the glue that holds the secondary together. They really they really need him. And so uh losing him, your best cover guy who you know, he just covers up for so many mistakes that other people make, not even himself. Um, I think it's a big deal and and it's not as you say, maybe not as big a deal against the teams like the Bears or you know even even the Seahawks. Um, but when you get into games against Denver and and the Rams, like that's a, that's a big ask. And I do think Dante Johnson is, is probably going to be that guy. So long as he continues to recover from the rib injury. Um, George Odom had some rough moments in the game tonight. Um, and I think that I also have a better understanding of Tayshawn Gibson. You know, you wonder why a guy who's been around as long as he had would sign this late in the process, um, unless he was going to be around and, as a as a, vet, a vested veteran, or you know, nine years in the league, he's somebody who's not subjective to waivers. Uh on, you know, so if they were to cut him, because the Niners do have to carry Jimmy Ward since they're past the deadline on for pup, they do have to carry him through that initial round of cuts before they could put him on IR. So just a kind of a procedural thing. And then you could you could theoretically release Tayshawn Gibson and he could sign, he's free to sign anywhere he wants, but if he already knows, like, hey, I'm coming back here, they could already have a nudge, nudge, wink, wink type of thing where he comes back in and he's, you know, your fourth safety or whatever for week one. So or for the first four weeks. So there's a lot of things at play here. But yeah, losing Jimmy Ward is no small thing. And particularly in a secondary where there's been a lot of turnover and a lot of moving pieces. And he's the one guy that you can trust. And it's crazy to say it. He's your, he's your longest tenured veteran. He's been on this team longer than anybody else. It's crazy. He's been through so much, and he finally found his home at free safety and I think was finally starting this offseason to get the recognition that he deserves. Well, he was in the top 100, right? In the NFL. And, an,
1: and an 87 on Madden.
2: Okay, yeah, great. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but sure. So, uh, yeah, but, that, I mean, he's finally starting to get it, and it stinks for him to, to have an injury like this early. But, again, at least it's early. Uh, which is what it was in 2019. If you remember, he missed a few games at the beginning right. of that year, and they were able to hold it together. So um, just put it this way, I think the first few weeks, if they're without Jimmy Ward, that D-line is going to have to be firing on all cylinders right from the jump.
1: What about Tarvarius Moore? Because he's he's been a guy who's gotten a lot of reps in the preseason, and obviously he's had to knock some rust off after missing all of last year after te- tearing his Achilles, but you mentioned 2019. He was the guy who started in place of Jimmy Ward back then. He got beat in that in that one-on-one situation against Dobbs in the Packers game didn't look as fast. Um, I, I admittedly have not broken down the all 22 from, from his reps this preseason, but like, where do you think he's at? And do you think, uh, do you think the 49ers would be confident in starting him at free safety if they had to?
2: I, I don't think so. Um, I did, I did initially think that he was probably going to be the guy, but, um, You know, the interesting thing with Tarverius more is, is, you know, he was when he came into the league, he was a corner slash safety and everyone was trying to figure out where he fits. The one thing everybody knew about him was that he's super fast. Um, And then, you know, he did fill in a free safety for Jimmy Ward, but then. He was playing strong safety. uh, Right, when Joukowsky Tart was hurt. Yeah, when when Tart was out, and then it was like, okay, he's going to compete with Tart for the strong safety job, and then he got hurt. And so going back to free safety, I'm not sure that that's a spot that they necessarily view as a natural fit for him at this stage. And also, I think Richard Sherman would, would tell you that when you have an Achilles, the first year back, you're still not all the way back. And I think that's evident with Moore, his speed, I think it will come back, uh, probably. I shouldn't say that definitively, but probably. But it'll probably be next year. And and so, if that's the case, you know, you can hide him a little bit more at strong safety and play him up in the box and and let him make plays that way, um, as opposed to free safety. And and maybe they will end up using him there. But it just feels to me more like a Dante Johnson kind of in that spot. And then George Oldham would be the backup if if you know the season were to start tomorrow or even in a couple of weeks when it actually does.
1: Um, we know Kyle Shanahan is a chestnut checkers guy. Dialing up the late game Brock Purdy interception to get him to the practice squad. Um, Where do you put that in terms of just the buttons that Kyle Shanahan has pushed since since getting hired in 2017?
2: <laughs> I mean, if depending on what happens with the get the preseason abolished thing, it would be right <laughs> underneath that, you know, like, right. You know, if you're, if you're comparing the two, no, it's, it's a weird conversation. Like the quarterback thing to me, I don't think they have, I don't think they have two good backups. Like I don't think they're in a situation where they should be keeping all three of those guys. Right. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's like, if those guys are close, okay, fine. But they're not both good enough to be on the roster. Um So I think you have to make the decision there. I think Purdy probably gets through to the practice squad, um, but also like if they cut Nate Sudfeld and keep Purdy, is it the end of the world? Like I don't know. I I think they're in trouble regardless if Trey Lance gets hurt. So which right, is like any team would of, be. Yeah, which is true for a lot of teams. So um, you know maybe it is worth taking. You know we got a, somebody with upside and in, in Purdy versus Sudfeld. You kind of know what you're going to get. I don't know, but um, it is it is very interesting to me that that narrative has taken hold so much over the last couple weeks that this is a hot competition for the backup that doesn't speak well for what they've got at the position in my opinion
1: yeah I think it it totally makes sense for Kyle Shanahan to tell broadcasters before the game like yeah these guys are competing because that's what coaches do like any messaging that coaches have for broadcasters or the media they basically treat like they're talking to players so like Right. He's not going to come out and say, yeah, we have our backup quarterback in Nate Sudfeld and allow Nate Sudfeld to mentally go on cruise control. Like Kyle Shanahan's job is to is to make sure all these guys have an edge to him. And so, yeah, it would make sense because you know, Nate Sudfeld has not been good enough to just be, be handed the backup job.
2: Sure.
1: But it's also, you know, it's the media's responsibility to. I mean, I don't know. They They listen to Kyle Shanahan and what he says to him. And for 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 this whole thing that like and look, maybe maybe I'll come out looking really stupid for for believing this, but like I just never really thought that Brock Purdy was actually pushing for the backup job, like unless he just drastically outplayed Nate Sudfeld, which I don't think he has. I think there's an element of wanting a veteran in a backup role as particularly backing up an inexperienced starter like Trey Lance. I just think that's one of those preseason narratives that got a little weird and out of hand, but I do understand why Kyle Shanahan would be talking about it in the terms that apparently he has. Um, but I just don't believe that they're going to keep three quarterbacks or even, you know, at this point I, I would be stunned if they kept three quarterbacks and I would be probably equally stunned if Nate Sudfeld wasn't the backup.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's what I uh, my projections went live tonight. I, I mean I think it's going to be Sudfeld as the backup, and I think Purdy gets to the practice squad without much of an issue. I mean he was the last player drafted, so literally every other team had many opportunities to draft him. I don't think he did anything in this pre in these preseason games that would uh, change a lot of minds. There maybe there is. I, I have no idea when it you know when it comes to quarterbacks, people are weird, but. You know, there was some of this with, with Nick Mullins. If you go back to, you know, we, we would joke about Mully Magic because he was so good <laughs> in the fourth quarter of those preseason games his first year. and People like, oh, man, like, they should keep him over C.J. Beathard. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, fair enough if you want to have that opinion. But they can also get him to the practice squad, and I don't think they're going to have a lot of problems with that. And they did. And then, of course, he ended up eventually beating out C.J. Beathard. But um, I think there's some of that here, too, where Purdy is kind of a similar type of guy of Mullins, you know, um, pretty good athlete, not a great one, can move around a little bit, make some things happen. Uh, you don't want them starting more than like a game or two if they have to. Um, and I'm not saying Purdy right now, but maybe like at his peak, that's probably where he could get to. Peak so, Purdy, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know, but you know, we play this game every year. All these, like Jordan Mason is another good example where I do like the kid. I think he runs really hard, and I think he's talented, and um, he's probably going to play somewhere in this league, but I like. They can get them to the practice squad, like and maybe I'm wrong on that, maybe some other team, but there's always guys like that that get overhyped by their own fan bases based on what they do against third stringers and, and things like that in the in the preseason.
1: on a scale of one to ten, how stunned would you be if Jimmy Garoppolo is starting against the 49ers for the Seahawks week two the 49ers home opener:
2: Ten two, being two, the most stunned
1: two two days after the Candlestick Chronicles Cooperage event in santa Rosa uh
2: ten being the most stunned? Yes uh three I guess I don't know like I got the only thing for me is like it makes sense because it's the one place that he could start possibly for the whole season but I still think Cleveland makes more sense and I know the, the Browns keep saying Jacoby reset this and that and maybe he'll go out in their preseason game and light it up and everyone will be like okay he's the guy but if they don't have to give up anything for him like and Jimmy could go there and start and let's say he gets seven million dollars or whatever, and then you know they give him bonuses for however many games he starts. It's the best. Hit. Like I, if I just put it this way, if I was Jimmy Garoppolo and it was seventeen games with the Seahawks or eleven games with the Browns, I think he, I think in those eleven games he has a much better chance to rehabilitate his value than he would in seventeen games with the Seahawks. If he has that choice, I don't know that he has that choice because I don't know those what those teams are thinking. But that's just from my perspective. That makes more sense to me. But yeah, I wouldn't be shocked by any means if he's playing with the Seahawks, also because it's just so very Seahawks, right? Like this is what they do. So
1: And they also have a a version of a Shanahan disciple running the offense there. Well, he'll be backed up, back up
2: by Brock Purdy, who they've claimed off waiver, <laughs> and Jordan Mason will be the running back. So yep. everyone can just lose their minds collectively.
1: Yeah, maybe Demontre Moore will be rushing off the edge too. um all right I think uh I think that's it after a exciting preseason I think you and I are both in agreement that they need to cut it at least from two and if it were zero I don't think any anybody would be upset in this world of streaming that we're in now after watching a game on Amazon Prime I think NFL fans would would all pay for like $4.99 for two or three joint practice sessions to be able to watch live on, on TV. Right. Like,
2: Probably. yeah.
1: Like right. streaming on the NFL, uh, NFL plus or whatever, like that, I think that would be a much better solution to this preseason thing. I know NFL teams won't want that stuff out there on tape, but like it's so much better in the preseason that ship has been sailed for decades. It feels it's like. well,
2: I do feel bad. I feel bad for the fans who have to pay like, if you have season tickets, you have to pay this. Like even if if I was a team, I would just fudge it and, like, make the tickets like $20 and then whatever the other 100 that I would normally charge for that ticket, spread it out over the other home games yeah. and turn it into your ticket just so you don't feel quite as bad about it. So I do feel bad in that sense, but, uh, yeah, the preseason is the worst. And like I said, the Niners might have lost the game tonight, but the preseason is over, so really we all won.
1: Yeah. And you know, we're looking at it like from the 49ers perspective, Jimmy Ward okay, out for four games potentially. Mike McGlinchey a little shaky, but otherwise pretty healthy team.
2: Yeah, when you know, it was touch and go there for a little bit, you know, they yeah. <laughs> they had 13 guys missing in a practice not that long ago, um yeah. but it seems like they they got them back and I do think Kyle Shanahan has even pulled back the reins even more. Uh, on in terms of resting guys in preseason games like he didn't mess with we knew he wasn't gonna mess with bosa but he didn't mess with warner didn't mess with trent williams like the guys who are your foundational pieces i was actually even surprised kittle and debo uh were out there tonight although i guess you want to give you want to give trey lance a little bit of help if you're not going to have his old line in there so i don't know but yeah it, it it was a much better preseason in terms of some of that stuff but can they stay healthy when it matters in the season, um, it, there have been some ominous signs already in the preseason. Yeah.
1: If you're going to have preseason games, instead of charging season ticket holders full price, just like open up the stadium to like youth groups and schools and like charities and whatnot and make it a little more fun, like fill it with kids instead of make, instead of this like a third full, fan base that's upset that they have to be there
2: haven't those poor kids <laughs> suffered enough you're gonna make them watch preseason <laughs> right.
1: that's Come that's on. not a bad that's not a bad point <laughs> all right we'll get we'll get you out of there uh another friendly reminder um because all of our reminders are are friendly are are only friendly here uh september right, 9th, september yeah shout out to tessa she i don't know if she listens but shout out to tessa anyway um september 16th friday cooperage santa rosa california we're doing another live event we're we're gonna have a panel we're gonna raise money for charity there's gonna be candlestick chronicles hazy ipa it's delicious it's gonna be a good time i'm hoping nick's there i'm not gonna make him commit to coming um live on this podcast right now but i just want you to know nick i hope that you can make it and uh it's gonna be a great time had by all it's free there's no admission um i i hadn't said that before but no there's no admission just come hang out drink some beer raise some money for charity and uh, have a good time. Nick, thanks so much for joining us, man. Nick Wagner, ESPN, NFL Nation, uh, 49ers reporter, does an excellent job. And uh, we will talk to you guys later on.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time.